This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. For, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. You ever get in a flesh and blood fight? Fight. You ever get into a situation where you're trying to pray or trying to work towards somebody else's demise or somebody else's defeat? You've missed the boat. You're fighting the wrong battle. So we wrestle against flesh. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore? Because this is true, in other words. Wherefore, take unto you of the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation, I like William's translation, it says that you may be able to stand strong when evil attacks you. That's the evil day that it's talking about. That you may be able to stand strong when evil attacks you. Folks, that's the key. Is being ready and understand how the devil works against us. So that you can be ready, so that you can stand strong even when he shows his head, rears his head up. And shows himself. And what are we supposed to do to prepare for that? Take unto us the whole armor of God. That we may be able to withstand or to stand, in other words, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And having done, I know there's a a verse break there. But Paul wrote, didn't write in chapter and verse, he wrote a letter. So he's saying just the way that I read it. And having done all to stand, stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Now, what does that tell us? Tell us That tells us that when it comes to standing in faith, when it comes to standing on the promises of God, there are two distinct parts or divisions. One is preparation, and the other is an act of standing itself. Having done all to stand. That means preparation. Having done all to stand, then stand, therefore. That means you're not going to be able to stand effectively. You're not going to win the battle unless you've done the preparation up front. Proverbs chapter 4 talks about the preparation part. My son, attend unto my words. Now, what does it mean to attend to something? If you attend something, if you attend a class in school or if you attend a church service, that means you choose to put that first instead of other things that you could choose to do. Other alternatives. You chose to attend service tonight. Does that mean you didn't have anything else to do? Does that mean you count church to be unimportant or important? Well, you considered it to be more important than anything else that was possible for you to do. My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Folks, this is so important, and I think so few people realize what this means. It means see yourself with what the Bible says is yours. It's not talking about walking around with your nose in the book. Let the word not depart from before your eyes. This is one thing the Orthodox Jews have done so foolishly. They've got these little boxes on their head called phylacteries that have little miniature writings of the word of God. And they think that's satisfying what the Bible says, not letting the word depart from before their eyes. You think God really intends that to be the meaning? Of course not. He means see yourself with what the Bible says is yours. That's how you don't let the word depart from before your eyes. You see yourself with what the Bible says. If the Bible says you were healed by the stripes of Jesus, see yourself well. 
If the Bible says, since the Bible says the chastisement of your peace was upon him, see yourself prospering in everything you do. See yourself just the way the Bible says everything you put your hand to will prosper. See yourself prospering in your business. See yourself prospering in everything you put your hands on. Since the Bible says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, quit seeing yourself as some sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but you were saved by grace. Therefore, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See yourself walking into the presence of God just like Jesus does. See yourself coming boldly before the throne of God to make your petitions before Him. Not sneaking in the back door and standing in the corner trying to find some shadow to hide behind or hide in. No. See yourself with what the Bible says. The Bible says you're victorious. See yourself as victorious. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I'm not walking in victory. That's why you need to not let the word depart from before your eyes. Because the way you see yourself is what you're going to live up to. So many people see themselves as failures and they keep being a failure day after day after day. But you start seeing yourself with what the Bible says about victory and you'll start living up to that victory. That's what it means. Let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, if they're going to, you're going to have to keep them in the midst of your heart, that implies that something's going to try to take them out of your heart, doesn't it? Doesn't that imply some kind of struggle, some kind of effort on your part to maintain the Word of God in your heart or in your spirit? Well, sure. Now, here's a question I've got for you. Does the devil have access to your spirit? The answer is no. The devil doesn't have access to your spirit, but you know what he does have access to? He has access to the doorway of your spirit. And the doorway of your spirit is both your mind and what you hear. Because the Bible says faith, which is of the heart, comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That means the devil is going to try to speak to you in some way or another. Now, now speaking could be a literal term. He may whisper doubt in your ear or, or bring thoughts of doubt to your mind. Or it could be figuratively where he brings circumstances for you to see that will cause you to think something. It's all the same thing as far as the Bible is concerned. He's trying to get to the, the access points to your spirit. And that is what you see and what you feel and what you hear. Literally, he uses your five physical senses to try to influence your spirit. He can't have direct access to your spirit because that's where God lives. And Satan does not trespass on God's property. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I'm worried that the devil's going to steal the word from my heart. He can't. The only thing he can do is try to influence you to replace the word of God that's in your heart with something else. That's all he can do. That's all he can do. But it does imply that there's going to be a struggle on our part, isn't it? Keep the Word of God in the midst of your heart. Keep the Word of God in the midst of your heart. That's why it's so important what you look at. That's why it's so important what you read. That's why it's so important what you listen to. You know as well as I do that the devil is operating in the airwaves of this earth. Whether they're TV airwaves, whether they're internet airwaves, whether they're radio waves, whatever it is, the devil is trying to access your mind and influence you through your flesh. For what purpose? Why does the devil try to spread the sin that he does? Because he's trying to influence you to be affected in your spirit by that sin and replace 
the Word of God. The place, and, and your spirit was created to, to, to be a container for the Word of God. That's why you were made in the image of God. You were made a spirit being so that the Word of God would fit, and only the Word of God would fit your spirit. It would equip your spirit. That's why your job and my job is to keep anything else from influencing us so that it replaces that word from within us. That's why you have to guard what you see. That's why you have to guard what you hear. Well, Pastor Mike, how do we know what we're supposed to listen to? There's a lot of things that we could listen to. I mean, there's a lot of preachers out there. How do we, why should we listen to you instead of listening to somebody else? Folks, you need to judge everything you hear by what the Bible says. And if I'm saying something the Bible doesn't say, don't listen to me. But if another preacher, I don't care how famous they are, I don't care how well-known they are, I don't care how many books they've written, if another preacher is saying something contrary to what the Bible says, don't listen to him either. Because your responsibility is to keep the word in the midst of your heart. You're the gatekeeper. Nobody's going to get a pass by going to heaven and say, well, I listened to Dr. So-and-so and he said that you didn't heal. Jesus is going to say, what did the word say? You're responsible for the word, not for what Dr. So-and-so said. Keep them, my words, in the midst of thine heart. Now, why would we want to do that? That sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Why would we want to do that? Notice it says in verse 22, for or because... They are life. They, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. I wonder what the life is he's talking about here. You think that could be the same eternal life, the blessings of God here on the earth that Timothy was instructed to lay hold on? Would make sense, wouldn't it? Because fighting the fight of faith has to be based on the word. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Without the word of God, you can't have faith to begin with. Without faith to begin with, you can't fight the good fight of faith. So it all comes back to the Word, doesn't it? This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Now, folks, you can let somebody steal your possession. I can go home this afternoon after church and find out that people have moved into my house and, and, and taken over. And I could just walk away. I could say, well, this seems unfair. Or I could go in my closet and get my gun and clean them out. (laughs) It's my choice. And my choice is going to be determined by how much I really believe this is mine. And that's exactly what taking hold of your possessions, taking hold of the finished work of Jesus, taking hold of the abundance of grace, that's what that really is all about. It's about you determining Is the Bible true that says, this is mine? Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. When I first got a hold of the truth of the Word, I was so broke. I mean, I didn't have enough money to make it through the day. Every nickel, every dime, every dollar was a struggle for me. Now, folks, i got to tell you, growing up in the, in the Baptist church, in the denominational church, Southern Baptist church, wonderful people. And I have no doubt that they were doing the best they could to teach me everything about God that they knew. The problem was, a lot of things they knew about God just wasn't true. I remember hearing from the time that I, I was old enough to, to understand 
that they said that God would make some people sick. Yeah, he healed some people, but he made some people sick. I never did buy into that. I don't know what it was, but I never did buy into that. I just knew that wasn't right. I knew enough about the Holy Spirit that lived on the inside of me, not that I was filled, but I was saved. You get the Holy Spirit and salvation. I knew by the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Every time I'd hear something like that, I, I just knew. It wasn't even that I'd hear something, hear words on the inside that said, no, that's not right. I just knew. I just had an inward witness. As a baby a Christian as I was, I knew that that wasn't right. Now, I didn't have an answer for it. I didn't have an answer for why Christians were sick. I wasn't able to debate or, or explain or, or anything like that, but I knew that wasn't right. I just knew that wasn't right. But as much as I heard that God made people sick growing up in the denominational church, I heard more that God didn't want you to be blessed. He wanted to keep you broke to keep you humble. That one I bought into. Somehow or another, I did not have the same witness on the inside about that. Or if I had it, I didn't listen to it. But that was something that plagued me from the time that I was a child. Because my dad was broke. He had, my dad had an incredible ability. He had a supernatural ability to make money. But he had a demonic ability to lose it. My dad made more money in his lifetime than you can... There's no telling how much money my dad made. And there's no telling how much of it he lost overnight. Time after time after time. Seems like every time... I mean, he started business after business after business and those things would thrive. And then in one case, he, was, uh, he started a plumbing shop. Had one of the most successful plumbing shops in, the, in, in that part of the, the country. And then union stewards came in and tried to convince his guys, did convince his guys to turn it into a union shop or, or go on strike and refuse to work unless they made it a union shop. And my dad wouldn't have it, so he just shut the thing down. Lost everything. Not only lost the potential to make money, but it lost all the money they put in. That happened to my dad time after time after time after time. Well, over a period of time, he got bitter over it. And I picked up on some of that bitterness. And that all, every bit of it fed right back into the same thing. Well, God doesn't want you blessed, see? And my dad, bless his heart, there were times in his life, I remember seeing him get baptized in the Presbyterian church. You know, they got this little bowl and they sprinkle your head and all that kind of stuff. I mean, my dad genuinely loved God. There was a time where he was teaching a Sunday school class. We've got some notes, or my brother does. He's got some notes of where my dad would, was teaching a Sunday school class for a while. I mean, he genuinely was taking a step toward God. But every time, finances would slap him down. Every time. He got bitter and finally just turned his back on God, just said, forget it. If that's the way God is. And, of course, the church was all, all the church people were telling him God was behind it. God doesn't want you to prosper. God doesn't want you to have anything. Now, pay your tithes, but God doesn't want you to have anything else. And my dad finally got to the place where he just turned his back on it. He just said, forget it. So just about all of my teenage years was my dad turning his back on God and being bitter. And it, and it turned him into a, a sour person, terrible person. Just terrible person. He was miserable. Thank God he was saved. But he was so miserable because he had the wrong idea of God. Spent the last years of his life thinking God was out to get him. Finally, when sickness took his life, he thought God had brought that on him too. Never did find out who God really was. Thank God he knows now. He's figured it out now. But things like that affect you as a child, as a young teenager. I never thought God wanted you to get ahead. I thought if you got, you're going to get ahead in life, you had to get outside of following God. Because if you stuck with Him, you never have anything. 
So by the time I came around to the truth of the word, where I heard Brother Hagin start preaching that God wanted you to prosper, man, I glommed on to that. And I remember for a lo- the longest time, several years, I remember thinking, this was before I ever got to Bible school, but I remember thinking, that can't be true. I want it to be true, but it can't really be true. And there was a voice on the inside of me that said, that would always ask me the same thing. What does the Bible say? Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about the Bible except devotions. You know, the little promise box. Every morning at breakfast, you pull out a little card. About that long. Can't get much scripture on there. Then you read a promise from God's promise box. Well, I don't know what the Bible says. So I started getting some of Brother Hagin's materials. I started getting some of his tapes. First tapes I got of Brother Hagin were the old reel-to-reel things. Then cassettes came out after that. I started listening to some of Brother Hagin's tapes, and I'd hear him tell those tell things that the Bible said, read from the Bible, and I'd get my Bible, and I'd read there too, and I'd say, yeah, well, that's what it says. But it can't mean that. It took years to chip away into that for me. Folks, don't think it's going to come overnight. It doesn't. And a lot of people, because of the effort that it takes up front to do the preparation to find the truth of the word, that's where they give up. They just say, well, this is too hard. Well, what's your option? Now, I'm not going to believe in healing. It's just too hard to get the word of God concerning healing in in my heart. So what are you going to do? Die sick? Man, that's a great choice. What's your option? Well, I, I just never am going to be able to believe that God wants me to be blessed. So what are you going to do? Live broke all your life? Victory is, there is a price for victory. But there's nothing that, that outweighs the price. What's your option? What else are you going to do? The blessings of victory outweigh, far outweigh anything and everything else you would do with your time. I never have understood that. I've seen people just turn around and walk away. Well, if it's going to take that kind of effort, I'm just not going to do it. And I think, well, what are you going to do instead? Just keep muddling through on life? Man, that's the most miserable thing. I've lived there. I've seen too many other people live there. Muddling through life with the wrong picture of God. That's the most miserable way to live that you can I believe Paul, I believe the Holy Spirit is inspired the writer of the book of Proverbs to talk about the same thing Paul was talking about in laying hold of eternal life. For they, my words, verse 22, they, my words, are life unto those that find them. It takes them looking for them. They're life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. When I finally came to the place where I accepted, okay, the Bible does say that God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible does say that Jesus, that God who withheld not Jesus, didn't withhold Jesus from us, will not withhold any good thing from us. But I came to accept just that, okay, the Bible says that. I don't understand how that fits. I don't understand how that works with all the experience that I've had and that I've seen in my dad and seen in other people. I don't understand all that. But this is what the Bible says. When I accepted that, I went after it with everything I've got. Now, I was healthy. I didn't need to put the Word of God into me concerning healing. I didn't need healing. But, boy, I needed some information about finances. I needed some information about what God would do and how God would bless you. And I went after that day after day after day. I would spend hour after hour after hour listening to every tape that I had. And that was about three of them. And those were given to me. I didn't have the money to buy any. And I listened to those things over and over and over again. That reel-to-reel tape, I had one on reel-to-reel and I had two on cassette. That reel-to-reel tape broke. 
And it was the one on prosperity. I taped that thing. I tried to repair that thing. I can't tell you how many times that tape broke. I mean, I literally wore the words off that that reel-to-reel tape. And I wasn't conscious that I was making any progress whatsoever. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Well, did God meet your needs? Did God do anything for you? Of course not. I wasn't in a position to exercise any faith. I didn't have any to exercise. I'm just finding out. I'm just trying to dig up some of the wrong things that I've been thinking. I'm not in a position to do anything yet. I knew that. I knew that if I tried to step out in faith, I'd hear Brother Hagin say, extend your faith, exercise your faith. I knew if I tried to do that, the devil would stand up in front of me and say, boo, and I'd have to run for miles. I was in no position to do that. I, I was very aware of the fact that there was too much unbelief in me for me to step out to do anything. Now, I, I didn't know how faith worked. I didn't know that faith would work in a measure like that at that point in time. So I just started digging in. And I thought, I remember having the thought. Well, Brother Hagin at that time said that he'd been in ministry for 40 years. It's going, I remember hearing the devil say, it's going to take you 40 years to find out anything. And I thought, well, at least I'll get there. At least I'm started already. I'm on the way. I never have understood people not willing to put the time in, put the preparation in. Never have understood that. What's your alternative? For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Health to all their flesh. Now, what does it mean? My son, attend unto my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them, my words, not depart from before your eyes, and keep them in the midst of thine heart. What does that mean? That means the word in and everything else out. That doesn't mean a little bit of word and a little bit of other stuff. That means the word of God in and everything else out. The word of God in and everything else out. Folks, you're never going to become a master in the things of God unless you put the word of God first to the degree that you shove everything else out of the way. Brother Hagin tells the story of a, of a, I know I said I'd quit. I will eventually. There was a lady that had a rare disease. And uh, told, she told Brother Hagin about it sometime later. And, um, uh, but it was something she went to the doctor. She and her, her husband was very wealthy. And uh, so he took her to the finest doctors. And the doctors ran all kinds of tests on her. And, and they concluded that this was some rare condition. And that they had only known of uh, seven or eight people that, uh, that they had any, med- any record in medical science that had had this condition. And so the doctors didn't know what to do. And they, they tried to do certain things. But anyway, she heard about uh, Catherine Kuhlman whose ministry was, was very strong in the 50s and the 60s, and then over into the 70s, some too, I guess, too. But uh, anyway, she heard about uh, the healing ministry that uh, the God had given Sister Kuhlman. And so she went to one of her meetings out here in Southern California. And uh, um, during the meeting, Sister Kuhlman came out, and, and she was ministering along, and she stopped, and then she came over to the, to the big, big platform they had, you know, big auditorium-type thing. So she came over to one side of the platform, and this lady and her husband were sitting back in the, this, this section. And so she came over here, and she said, There's somebody here. The Lord is drawing me to somebody over here that, uh, that got some rare condition that the doctor said there's only seven or eight people that they have any record of in medical science, medical history, that has ever had this. Who is that? Well, this lady knew immediately that that's her. And so she stood up and she waved her hands or whatever she did to get Sister Kuhlman's attention. She came up and Sister Kuhlman laid hands on her. She fell out under the power of God and was instantly healed. Instantly healed. Well, as a result, you can well imagine that that turned her life around. 
she has now become acquainted with the power of God in a way that she never knew was available. So she starts going to a full gospel church. She gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Her and her husband both get filled with the Holy Ghost. They get real involved in the church. Three years go by. Then Brother Hagin comes out to uh, uh, Dr. Duffield, Guy P. Duffield Church in um, uh, Pomona, I think he was. And uh, he's holding a, a six-week crusade there. And during the morning, they're having teaching services, just teaching on faith and telling people how to build their faith and how to exercise their faith. And this lady talks her husband into taking her to the, to the crusade. Well, after the first night or two, whatever it was, she came up to Brother Hagin at the end of the service. And she, he, she asked, Brother Hagin, can I speak to you for a moment? And he said, well, yeah. He said, I've got just a moment. The pastor and I are going to be leaving here pretty quickly. But sure, I've got just a minute or two. And so she told him the story. She said, three years ago, I was diagnosed, went to Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. She laid hands on me. I was instantly healed. She said, now, my husband doesn't know this. She said, but all the symptoms have come back upon me, and they're worse now than they ever were. Can you help me? Brother Hagin says, well, yeah, absolutely I can. He said, here's what you do. He said, we're just getting this meeting started. just started for a couple of days. He said, I want you to come to the morning meetings where we're teaching on faith. You come to the morning meetings and come every week or every day for the next six weeks. You come to these morning meetings. And she said, well, what's that going to do? She, he, and Brother Hagin said, it'll teach you the truth of the word so that you can receive on your own. Well, at the end of the six-week period, she came up to Brother Hagin. She said, Brother Hagin, it actually, it was even before the six weeks were out. She came to Brother Hagin after a morning service. She, she said, Brother Hagin, just wanted to let you and Sister Hagin know all the symptoms are gone. I know now how to receive my healing for myself and how to keep it. This will never come back on me again. Why? Because she put the word first. See, there's so many times people are looking for somebody to minister to them, and what they need instead of ministering to is they need the knowledge of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It takes no effort of the mind to receive faith. It comes automatically. Faith automatically accompanies the word. Now, it does take effort on the part of the will to receive it and to act on it. But you hear the word, and faith will be a natural byproduct of it. God has many wonderful things planned for his children, but the key is to enter into the family of God. There's only one way you can do that, and that's through Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that that's a two-step process. Step one is to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead. The second step is simply to confess him as your Lord and Savior. So a prayer of salvation would sound something like this. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth, that he died for my sins and you raised him from the dead. Therefore... I confess him as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for accepting me into your family. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. That's all there is to it, friend. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I encourage you to pray that prayer today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if you put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. He's at the home office. 
we're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given His authority to use in the field. We've been given His place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does Himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.